starting in three, two, one. All right, what's up, you guys? I am the Daredevil Prophet, bringing you another commentary for the seventh episode of the first season of Daredevil, titled Stick. Stick uh, refers to the character who will be introduced in this episode. Not only that, but um, this is also the, the episode where Matt starts using billy clubs. Um, if you notice, he actually doesn't use billy clubs uh, in the prior episodes. This is sort of where he sort of takes that up. Um, and we get a flashback showing that he um, has actually trained with the sticks as a kid. Um, he's actually supposed to train with like a lot uh a lot more weapons by stick, but, uh, stick just sort of, you know, bails on them, uh, pretty early on. Um, so Billy clubs is really the only thing he, uh, is proficient in and is thoroughly trained in. So, um, it's kind of a cool, um, uh, interpretation or explanation as to why, um, daredevil uses Billy clubs versus, you know, uh, wielding a gun or a sword or something like that um and this is our introduction to the character stick um who's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with this uh this japanese guy talking about black sky i actually wrote some notes before about what i was looking forward to the most about um uh, about this season way back when when the trailers were being released you know a couple months before before it actually released um and i wrote that i'm not really excited for the character himself he's a cool character but his inclusion implies that a lot more ninja stuff is to follow with the chase the hand maybe an introduction to electra in a later season maybe an adaptation of shadowland or the whole uh, or the theme for like a whole season um or possibly a miniseries or a film. Knowing how Marvel tends to capitalize on every opportunity, having stick in the series just feels like a lead up to that side of the Marvel universe and all it has to offer. And I can't wait. Um, so where we're at right now is where we're at in the season is actually there's this whole first half of um of the first six episodes which i think really focuses on the russians and uh daredevil's campaign against sort of um very apparent um acts of criminal activity um he goes up against them first they're the easy target they're the ones that are um, kidnapping people and doing all this nefarious stuff they're they're out there like you know if if you're on the streets like daredevil is you know you can clearly see that the russians are going to be the first to go um so now that half is done with and actually halfway in between that whole first half we get introduced to kingpin so that's actually kind of the um the the genius about um them introducing Kingpin, you know, halfway through, um, uh, that first half. So I guess like a quarter of the, of the season. Um, and now that the Russians are all sort of, uh, tied up, you know, that whole, uh, thread is just sort of closed up. They don't have the Russians at their disposal anymore. 
this really is an episode that just sort of stands on its own a little bit. We start to see um, sort of like Japanese, Chinese, you know, the, the, the other people that Kingpin is in business with um, a little bit more. But really, this is its own standalone episode, I think. Um, it sets up uh, episode 9, Speak of the Devil, really well. Um, but really beyond that, it's its own standalone episode. And I think it's placed strategically in here for a very good reason, um, which I'll get into in a little bit. But right now, I'm noticing Matt. That beard is very beardy, more than usual. I mean, I I always thought that I would have a problem with with, with the mask being on top and so much of the beard being on bo- you know on the bottom of his face, but um, it actually works really well. Um, I like a bearded Matt Murdock. Um, we know that in the comics, you know, on the page, he was bearded mostly. Um, during Born Again, but he wasn't in costume that whole time either. Um, so it, it's kind of like an interesting sort of, um, it, it shows that like he's kind of in the slumps, like his business isn't um, uh, succeeding yet at the height that we know that uh, Nelson and Murdoch, you know, their, their prestige and all that stuff, the, that level that they rise to, you know, they're barely starting out right here. So, you know, it's not like they're there yet. This is all kind of like a prequel to where they are kind of in the comics almost. Um, much like uh, a Man Without Fear to where, um, you know, Matt was coming back to the city. He was barely, um, you know, getting his feet wet um, in criminal activity. And he was barely setting up shop as well so here it's kind of like a similar uh, similar feel um as far as this uh, as far as matt not feeling like he's very established but he's he's doing the groundwork and um he's dabbling in that and he's got his friends um foggy foggy wears really really outrageous colors uh, in his suit and he makes jokes with fisticuffs. Um, so it's always it's always really great to see like how the the humor sort of is in, in the context of this being sort of a procedural criminal um, noir type of um, show. It's it's nice to have those. Uh, lighter moments and those, you know, sort of tender moments uh, between Matt and the people that he cares about. Um, also, another baseball reference. Uh, I I know I mentioned that in a in a previous episode. Um, so getting back to Stick, his whole introduction to this whole episode is sort of mind blowing because he's he introduces. The whole eastern side of the world. That's a great shot of New York City. Um, briefly, let me say that Leland Owsley, he mentioned in a previous episode that he's bringing his um, uh, his uh, his taser out of storage or something like that. He uses it here as as a as a 
as he's about to get attacked by Matt Murdock. So, um, pretty interesting tidbit that they uh, plant um, in a an episode before, and then it pays off here. So it, it's really great that there's um, setups and payoffs um, between episodes because that's the cleverness of uh, the Netflix show is that the writers are assuming that you're going to binge watch them. And I know that I did for as long as I could stay up when I first saw it, the first, the first time I seen it. Um, but it is under the assumption that you are going to watch all of these as like they say a 13 hour movie. So it's really great that they, um, that they have something like that to where they have a setup in a prior episode and then they, um, they pay it off eventually. And they do that with a lot of setups. All right. So the thing that stick introduces is the hand, the chaste, their struggle with each other. Um, he alludes to how he wanted Matt to be a part of that, um, that fight, that struggle. And he deems him inappropriate um, or he deems him just, you know, not worthy. Um, and it's kind of um, it, it's kind of a, a grander sort of um, feeling that, you know, Matt is only really focused on Hell's Kitchen. That's all he really cares about. You know, uh, one of the things that I felt that the show didn't really take advantage of is the fact that, you know, Matt's dad, Jack, wanted Matt to become a lawyer or a doctor or something, someone important. He wanted him to use his brains, not his fists. Um, and Matt does that. Matt still uses his fists, as seen here. But one of the things that Jack also wanted is for Matt to get out of Hell's Kitchen. Jack realized that it was a dangerous, corrupt place. And I felt I feel like one of the missed opportunities of the first season was to show that, you know, Matt can get out, can get free of Hell's Kitchen. You know, he's not here because he's tangled up in some web like he's just sort of, um, you know, uh, tied up by the correction corruption and the city and all that stuff kingpin and all that stuff the, the criminal underworld you know he's not here because he um has to be he's here because he wants to be because he wants to see his hometown restored um and, and have some kind of peace uh and i want to press pause on that to note what's happening on the screen so Stick is going to say, what is he going to say? He's going to say, um, make it out to cash. Let's see what he says here. Make the check out to cash. I'll take it from here. So in episode two, we've seen that uh, one of Jack's dying wishes, or one of the things that he set up before he died was... Um, was that all the winnings from his fight will go to Matt. So it, it sort of helps explain how uh, Matt maybe was able to pay for college, was able to do certain things um, and have advantages um, 
to get out of Hell's Kitchen. Um, but I feel like here they put that line in there to maybe suggest that Stick stole all of Matt's money at this point. Like Matt was going to probably be a wealthy foster kid, you know, he was going to be, you know, an adopted, you know, kid, but he was going to have a lot of money and right away stick and uh, stick comes and just takes that away. I mean, that that's my understanding of of that line. It's a throwaway line, but you know, it's in there for a reason. And I feel like stick, stole matt's money (laughs) if you if you really think about it stick is not the nicest guy as you'll see in this episode as you'll probably see in future seasons but he's he's not about being nice you know he he's like frank miller frank miller doesn't care about um pretty he cares about beauty and you know, all the, all the shit and all that stuff. Um, so he's very, very hard nose, very cutthroat. Um, and he's going to teach Matt to, to be the same way. Um, he's going to rub off on him. And so because of that, he's going to learn a lot about how the world really is, how to see it with, um, with the same eyes that stick has, um, just like in this, in this scene it's a really really kind of um cool scene um you know we're not given narration uh from matt throughout this whole season um we're not giving we're not given a lot of the tropes that um that we see on the page um a lot of it is done through careful uh editing and cinematography and focus focus on the right things um and also the writing here is really great as well i mean this is a, a strong part of the scene is just the writing um you know when matt or when stick says you know you know this girl's you know worse than sick you know she's in love and stuff like that all, all that is really great um really really great writing and that uh, forges a bond between matt and stick and that kind of is the underpinning to how um, uh, how paradoxical their relationship is. You know, Stick isn't trying to be a father. Stick isn't trying to do good by Matt. Stick is trying to find a warrior. Stick is trying to find somebody who will help him in his cause. Um but Matt is looking for a father. Matt is looking for almost like a surrogate father. And, and he's just a boy, you know, at this point, you know, what else do you expect from a little kid? And so this is a, a very, very hard paradox. Um, and Matt will get something similar when Electra comes into the picture. Um, in uh, in his college years and we'll get to see her in season two which really i'm calling season one and a half because i really feel like season one and a half the more i think about it the more i think that this is going to be 
this is going to be Iron Man 2 in a lot of ways, I think. We're getting Punisher. We're getting Elektra. We don't know if Stick is going to be in episode or, or in season 2. We don't even know if Kingpin is going to be in season 2, even though he ends up in jail at the end of this season, uh, the end of the first season. I really feel like Kingpin is not going to be in season two, that that storyline is going to be put on pause, or at the very least, he'll maybe be in one, two episodes to where he'll operate in the background. He'll still be running things from prison. All right. Stick. I don't know if he's going to be in season two either. Um, He'll start to become uh, a lesser and lesser role, I think. The more and more we get more uh, into the hand, into the chase, and into Elektra. I'm starting to think that Punisher is going to be a strong emphasis on season two. But I'm really looking forward to season to being about Electra. I mean, to me, that's 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 the the thing that has more potential to me. I think there's this poster that I that I've got to get, um, you know, on my wall, and it's a picture of Daredevil uh, looking uh, over a city. He's on a rooftop. Um, there's bird there or doves sort of flying behind him. And there's uh, there's Electra in the background, right behind him. These two cats have such an interesting dynamic that is so close to the kind of dynamic that Matt and Stick have, in the sense that you know Electra is also tied up in the hand, and Stick is tied up in the chase. You know he's tied up in the war against the hand and so these guys are no nonsense they don't have time to be you know fooling around with somebody like matt who's got um feelings and you know emotions and morality um they have a very very um hard-edged view on the world um which is why Daredevil and Elektra have a paradox of their own. Um, so I think that Elektra probably won't be a main focus. I I kind of feel like she's either going to be like Stick to where she's only in one episode, maybe two episodes, or she might be like um, Luke Cage in the Jessica Jones uh, first season. To where maybe she's in half of it, but she's sort of not, you know, in the main fray of the storyline. I think that season two will be about Daredevil versus Punisher, um, which is going to be really cool in and of itself. And I think they're going to use Elektra to set up more um, about the war that's going on with the hand. Um and also set up the relationship between Daredevil and uh, uh, Elektra. And let's not forget P- Karen Page as well. 
I mean, they're going to be holding hands in season two. I mean, we already seen uh, the pictures. They're walking down the street. So the end of the, the season here is meant to be sort of um, Karen and Matt sort of hooking up. Um, which is a really, really neat way. This is this is Daredevil Yellow. I know I've mentioned it before, but this is Daredevil Yellow um, uh, with the minimalist approach. Um, we see um, Elena Cardenas talking to Karen, saying about you know, you know, he loves you. You know, I see the love in his eyes. And Karen goes like, "Who, Matt?" And she's like, "No, Foggy." So there's little hints of this sort of um, love triangle between Foggy, Karen, and Matt. But it's really not because, I mean, it really it would hurt Foggy. And maybe that's something that they'll get into in season two. I doubt it because they've largely avoided it in this season. And this season is really when it could have played out um, the most. I think the 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 love triangle will be um Karen, Matt and Electra or Electra might just be her own entity and the love triangle might be Karen, Matt and Daredevil. How about that? We know that Karen thinks that Daredevil kicks ass, quote unquote, and she's with Matt Will Matt be competing against himself in the next season of Daredevil? We'll have to see. But also, will Elektra come and stir things up on that front? So those are very, very interesting things. Um, I did miss in this scene that Ben, ben Urich says the famous line, there are no heroes, there are no villains. Just different people with different agendas. And this is something that really sets the tone for not only this season, not only the this the Daredevil series as a whole, but the whole net like all of these Netflix series can be summed up with that line right there. Um, you know, this isn't these aren't stories about um, people who consider themselves heroes um, that take a higher moral path. Um Kilgrave in Jessica Jones tells Jessica Jones, you know, don't play the hero with me. But at the end of that season, she snaps his neck. Um, he or she commits murder um, in a sense, probably justifiably so. But these are people um, making decisions um, not based on morality, not taking a, a higher ground necessarily. Um. But Ben Urich does a really, really great show, uh, a really, really great job of um, setting the tone for all of these shows just by that one line. It's really, really brilliant. Um, really, really brilliant writing. All right. So in this scene, we have Matt and Stick having a confrontation. Um, they have a very um, spiky relationship. They have a very, very, um, uh, a very heated relationship. There, Stig makes a uh, reference to Spartans. Um, we know that uh, Zack Snyder likes to use use him in a lot of his roles, in a lot of his movies. So, 300 reference, maybe? Who knows? 
So these two guys are having an argument. You know, Stick's going to confront Matt about his ideology and about his way of living, which, you know, you know, there is some truth to what he's saying. You know, he's saying something weird and and seemingly stupid about how about how these uh, silk sheets are going to, you know, wrap their around their wrap around your neck and just choke you to death. And he's not really talking about um his bed choking him like for reals he he's talking about complacency and he's talking about uh, uh just sitting on the sidelines and not being not going 100 um and so he's trying to motivate Matt to join his side um and he's kind of he's kind of training him like he would train a pit bull you know, telling him like, you know, you got to control that rage, but he's provoking him to anger. He's the one that's kind of, you know, building that side of Matt up. He He's winding Matt up in a lot of ways. And so, you know, he's trying to teach Matt to, um, to conjure that emotion up, to use it, but also how to control it as well. Um, so very very questionable father tactics. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it, you know. Teaching teaching somebody to, you know, harness their their rage um to to use it but also control it. It sounds to me like what a lot of football players go through. Um that kind of training, those kind of talks or whatever. Um so that way, when they're out on the field, um, they they release it. Um, just as Matt is in the battlefield, he can release it as well. Um, but again, Matt is just a kid. Stick, you know, is very old. He's very complacent. Um, he's seen it all, done it all, heard it all, and he knows how to uh, how to answer it and how to. To, to get Matt to do what he wants. He's he's preying on a little child. Um, so yeah, he's very he's a very questionable character. Um, but he's on Matt's side. Um, you know, when you train somebody f- to go out into the world, sometimes you have to give them harsh uh, lessons. Uh, in the previous scene, uh, Ben Yurick was sh- also sort of showing Karen the uh the ropes of reporting and and all that sort of stuff so there's this common theme of fathering um the the main characters stick is sort of fathering matt in a harsh way ben yurk is also um fathering karen in a in a harsh way as well telling her hey you know a story doesn't just happen on its own um which is it, it makes me wonder. I have here. I see Karen will take on the Ben Urich role in future seasons. She'll investigate crime and Daredevil's identity and get herself in trouble along the way. So I think that Karen will be the investigator um, in future seasons. I think that the closer she gets to Matt, um, the more she'll start asking questions about what does he do at night? Um, where is he going? Where do you get all these, um, you know, bruises from, uh, and all that sort of stuff. She's already, 
sort of setting the tone for her being that kind of character um, in this season. I think she'll carry on that torch. She'll carry on that legacy. Um, and she will, um, she'll, she will get herself into more trouble, which will lead to Matt, um, kind of going into action. I can already see that happening in, in season two. We already seen the, uh, the, the sort of sizzle reel, the 32nd, um, you know, teaser for season two, where she's looking at, uh, the, the Punisher symbol. She's already investigating stuff. She's already, um, digging deep into it. Um, and Matt just has to follow her and, and protect her wherever she goes. Um, also, I want to draw up a connection between Daredevil and Jessica Jones. So, Jessica Jones borrows a lot from Daredevil. A lot. He borrowed Purple Man, which is a Daredevil villain, uh, originally. Jessica Jones is in uh, Hell's Kitchen. Um, and you also have Nuke. In the episode, set up for Born Again, rest assured, I'm calling it here. But, but also, I'm really upset that Jessica Jones got to the whole sex scene, her, Luke Cage, the superhero sex, um, in, uh, in the in the special features for the Daredevil movie, Dare, uh, Frank Miller talks about how um, him introducing Elektra into the series um, was an exploration of what superhero sex would be like. And we do see that in Man Without Fear. There's that great, um, uh, that great panel where Matt is uh, laying in his dorm room bed. Um, the whole room is trashed and Foggy left Matt there with Elektra on, on their own. He comes back. And sees that, you know, Matt's got a smile on his face. You know, we all know what went down. You know, and Electra is somebody who matches um, Matt uh, in their in their passion um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, it, it It's really great to see. And I'm really, really bummed that Jessica got to that kind of scene first. Um, so, yeah, I think... Jessica borrows a lot from Daredevil. Um, there's a lot of Luke Cage in Jessica Jones season one. I really don't see a whole lot of longevity um, for Jessica Jones. Like I said, I think there will be a consolidation that will happen there. And um, and I'm going to continue to kind of, you know, bring that up because I think it's something that will happen versus Daredevil, which I think has a lot more longevity. I think Daredevil can go for six to eight seasons, good seasons. Um, but I really feel that the next season is going to be season one and a half. Um, if, if Punisher is the main villain, you know, he's no bullseye. Um, and I think that, you know, you introduce Elektra season two, um, season three, maybe then you introduce bullseye. And you have that whole drama play out between uh, the three of them and maybe also bring Wilson Fisk back um, or have him uh, on the sidelines, kind of in the background. But really, it's between Bullseye, Daredevil, and Elektra. So that way, um, 
bullseye can sort of become a very, very uh, important figure in the series, which we're all sort of waiting for, but they're holding that back. I think that's going to be a whole other season. I think a whole other, a whole another season apart from that is going to be the born again storyline. We're all waiting for that to happen. Who knows if it's going to happen in season three or season four. Uh, I think it's going to be one of those seasons. Um, but we really, really um, are seeing sort of this sort of um, uh, finality to a lot of the, the villains. Um, Marvel in the MCU really isn't using, or I should say, they're not recycling a whole lot of their villains, except for the popular ones. You know, Loki's going to be around for a long time. He's He's been in the first Avengers. He's been in all the Thor movies. Um, he's, he's not going anywhere, but villains like, uh, 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 Red Skull, that's a huge villain, but I don't think he's coming back for civil war, you know? So MCU is, is prying on the popular villains, the ones that make a stamp, Maybe they'll get another shot. Maybe they'll return. But for the most part, Purple Man is dead uh, in the in Jessica Jones season one. Um, a lot of other villains in the MCU, the, uh, the a lot of the movies are dead. Um, now this is Marvel. They could always be revived. Just ask Agent Coulson. But I really don't feel like they want to do that. I. I really feel like they want to f um, uh, create a finite type of uh, universe to where on the page, Bullseye lives forever. Daredevil lives forever. These guys just have battle after battle, you know, every other episode, you know, or every other, you know, comic issue is Bullseye versus Daredevil. You know, like Leland Owsley, you know, all of, all of these villains are around you know even you know e even jester you know it, it comes back every now and then you know these are characters that just do not die and i feel like a lot of them if they are considered villains are only going to be around for maybe one outing or for as long as we the public deem them popular so in talking about Bullseye, because he's gonna come, he he's gonna be coming up, maybe season three, also season four. I can't imagine them waiting that long, um, to bring Bullseye into the fray of things. Depending on how well they write him, and depending on how well uh, we respond to him as an audience. Um, in social media and, you know, letting the higher ups know we love Bullseye. From there, he could um, he could be dead in one season because he's an absolute killer. He's too dangerous to be left alive. Or he may be in movies. He may be in every single season after the season he's introduced. So we'll see how that turns out uh, in years to come. That's all years down the line.
I'm thinking way, way down there. All right, so Stick has recruited Matt. He's given him his sticks here, his billy clubs. He's going after someone, something named Black Sky. Um, Black Sky um, is a reference to who knows what. Who knows what it's a reference to? I don't know what it what it means exactly. Nobody knows. It's not explained in this season. Obviously, it's something that's a setup for future seasons. Um, but rest assured, I do believe that it will be, um, paid in full what, um, what they're talking about. My, my theory obviously is going to be that this child that's going to be in this crate here is the, um, he's the vessel for the beast of the hand. Um, and if you're familiar with the Shadowland storyline, um, you know what that's like. If not, um, I would go back and read Shadowland, um, or, uh, issue 506, um, probably starting on 504, 506, I think is the main one, uh, where Daredevil is, has, um, you know, submitted to the hand. He's um, given himself up and said, I'm going to be the leader of the North American division of the hand. And he is um, taken underground. And the next time we see him, he's acting all kinds of batshit crazy. So we and we find out later in the Shadowland event book that he's possessed by the beast of the hand. Um so the hand definitely is dabbling in um, sort of spiritual themes, spiritual ideas, um, and what better um, package to put the beast of the hand in than a seemingly innocent little child. Um, so this also plays on the theme of this episode as well, which is, you know, he's a kid. Do you kill him? What do you do with him? You know, Stick already kind of fucked up Matt's childhood. He's going to shoot an arrow through this kid's heart. Stick just plain doesn't like kids. You know, I mean, you know, sometimes they're annoying. But that's no reason to put an arrow through his heart or his skull or whatever he's going to do. So Matt's going to defend this little kid. Matt, here's a heartbeat. He's alive. He's human. Matt's going to defend him. But unbeknownst to Matt, Stick is a part of a larger war um, that, again, we dabble in in this episode. Not really a whole lot in any episodes this season. So I think they'll continue to set um, this whole thing up with uh, with the hand and and the coming of of the shadow coming of black sky um so the way that the hand operates is they um just like a a real hand has five fingers there are five divisions of the hand and um it's north america south america japan europe and uh the asias you know like asia uh, or china russia and sort of that region um, I believe so those are the five um, fingers of the hand and on the page we've seen uh, 
Electra be the leader of the hand for the North American division. Uh, Shadowland, again. Uh, Matt is the leader of the North American division for the hand. Um, they are based in Japan. Um, so that's kind of where they, uh, where their headquarters are, where they reign from. That's where their main domain is. Um, and they're trying to, uh, break their way into North America because their whole plan is global domination and chased, which is an un- another ninja sect that stick is a part of. He's the guy that's trying to um, prevent the hand from extending their reach to other parts of the globe, including North America. That's why he's uh, here in this episode. That's his business. You know, he's following Black Sky. Black Sky, from the very beginning of this episode, was the um, was the uh, uh, the objective for him to to track down black sky and to execute him and that's what he did mission accomplished so um he's done but he's left um he's left matt in shambles as a kid coming back uh to matt as an adult trying to recruit him but you know them going their separate ways and not being able to see eye to eye well you know they're both blind so how can they see eye to eye um, you know, th- this is a, this is a question of, uh, ideologies. Matt takes the higher ground. You sort of see somebody in the middle. Um, and that's what you're going to see a lot with Daredevil. Daredevil is going to take the higher ground compared to stick compared to Electra compared to Punisher. Daredevil is always going to look or come out smelling like a rose because he always, he always is going to take the higher ground and uh, the the moral high ground. The only time when he wouldn't uh, be seen as the sort of ultimate uh, standard of morality in, in a dynamic would be if he was included in the films. You put Daredevil in something like Civil War. Hey, Daredevil would have major beef with with uh with captain america and iron man i think if he was in the civil war movie that's coming out and we all know that the the sides the uh, the trailers the trailers out there already we all know who's on what side i don't think daredevil would be on any of their sides because he would look at all of the avengers and be like Y'all fucked up New York. Y'all fucked up Hell's Kitchen. And you left it in shambles. And I had to pick up the pieces. Um, So Matt would actually have a lot of beef with the Avengers if he was in Civil War. So as much as I would love to see him in a film, as much as I would love to see him in Civil War, because Civil War on the page was a lot grander there was a lot more heroes involved. It basically involved every hero. Luke Cage said it best. You know, being a hero just puts a target on your back. And so I think that Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, all these defenders, they like to operate more under the radar. 
And so they would definitely be on cap side because they wouldn't want to register as heroes. But I think that Matt still would have a legitimate gripe against all of those heroes in the MCU, uh, in the movies. Um, so we still don't know if he's going to be in there. Spider-Man's going to be in there. Um, who knows what side he'll be on or what part he'll play. But if Daredevil was in the background, you know, there would be major questions as to why isn't he speaking up? Why is he suddenly siding with Captain America when he's got his own beef? You know, he's he's the teenage uh, son rebelling against his father. You know, he sees through the bullshit a little bit more than than all the other heroes. Because he's just a regular guy trying to pick up pieces. And um, he's beating his old mentor half to death. Um, which is actually a really funny scene how Stick just is kind of like, all right, you got me. Like, I'm I'm old. Um, and he's actually um, kind of excited about it. Uh, you know, this, this whole episode, Stick just doesn't believe in Matt. He doesn't have really any respect for Matt because he thinks that he's too soft. He doesn't have that killer instinct. He doesn't have he doesn't have what it takes to do what's necessary when the time comes. Um and yet Matt beats his ass and says, you know, maybe there's hope for you yet. Maybe you can join me in this war against the hand. Time will tell. Um so it's it's a really really great setup for things to come and like i said you know the whole the whole thing with the hand it's big it's coming and it's going to be big um that's what she said sorry um okay so the hand the hand i noticed is such a big threat to matt but not really to the rest of the Mar- Marvel Universe at large on the page or in the MCU. The hand has the potential to be the villain or the focus, the antagonist of just about anything. If you want to make the hand the villain or the antagonist, of the Defenders miniseries. Hey. That that could work. If you want to make the hand. A villain of. A big Marvel movie. Phase 2. Of the Avengers. That could work. Um, I don't think that they'll do that. Because they're kind of. Getting into more cosmic things. So I would say that the scrolls might be more of an option. But what if they came out with their own film, the defenders? What if they sort of, you know, the defenders miniseries is going to come out. Um, I'm guessing in 2017, somewhere around there, maybe 2018, we're going to get the defenders miniseries. But what happens after that? 
you know, it, we're talking about phase two of the defendi- defenders uh, uh, series. The hand could very well be uh, the the catalyst for phase two of the Netflix shows after the first Defenders miniseries. So this is a big episode in introducing concepts and uh, getting us intrigued about what's to come. And Matt is smack dab in the middle of it. No matter what uh, Jeff Loeb, Joe Quesada, all the guys at Marvel decide to do with the hand, where they decide to use them, Matt's going to be at the center of it all. And you could take that to the bank. And that's what's most exciting about this episode. This episode just kicks so much ass. And it's just such an amazing uh, episode uh, that has its own self-contained story. But also um, enlarges the world that Daredevil inhabits. All right. Next episode in three, two, one.